Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture. And today, it is an honor to bring to our listeners Mr. Michael O'Gorman, who is the Executive Director of the Farmer Veteran Coalition. Michael, welcome. Well, thank you, Melinda. Thank you for having me. I first learned about the Farmer Veteran Coalition when I was at a Farm Aid concert in St. Louis, and then I met another representative in Kansas City, and I have been wanting to talk to you about this program for a couple of years now. I think you are doing remarkable work. I should let our listeners know that you yourself are a pioneering organic farmer, and you've been an organic farmer for over 40 years. And from your bio, I read that you began the Farmer Veteran Coalition out of the back of your pickup truck in 2008. What happened? Well, like you said, I farmed for 40 years. I began farming in 1970, um, 20 years before there was any national standards or rules on exactly what organic was. So technically, uh, 20 years later, some of my earlier practices would have been rejected, but they were definitely pioneering, um, working with the, indirectly with the uh, Rodale Institute and some of the um, first people that were um, developing the concept of an organic farming research in the United States. And so my last 20 years, I was what you call a farm manager. I'd lost my uh, own farm operation in 1990 when my water supply dried up and I got hired on to run the first organic farm in the Salinas Valley. So I spent most of the next 20 years being farm manager for three of the country's larger organic farms and running multiple pieces of property throughout California and Arizona and parts of Mexico. And after time to think about what I was going to do in my supposed retirement years, I thought of going to work to help beginning farmers and young farmers get started in agriculture. And after working with several of them that were veterans of the recent wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, it really became my mission to focus directly on them. So it took about a year to formalize our project in uh, February of 2009. So we're Farmer Veteran Coalition will be three years old on uh, upcoming uh, Lincoln's birthday, February 12th. Well, congratulations. How many veterans have you reached? Well, we're actually interesting you called because we've, uh, we've, our staff has been meeting and going over these numbers the last few days. And so we've actually had a uh, network of close to 600 veterans that have either contacted our office or attended one of our events or just had inquiries. And so we're trying to melt that down into how many are actually pursuing farming. And we would say about half of that are actively staying connected with the Farmer Veteran Coalition, some of them through some of our partner groups that we work with, and uh, most of them, you know, through our project and staying in touch with us about their pursuit of uh, careers in uh, food and farming. Well, I think that veterans probably, in addition to having this wonderful new skill of farming and feeding people, also find the act of growing food extremely healing. Have you seen that among the veterans you've worked with? 
Well, absolutely, and that's the first thing, and, and not to make light of it, but that's the first thing everybody says to the veterans. They say, oh, this must be so healing. And, you know, what I say is, what, what, and you did mention Farm Aid, and one of the reasons why we bring veterans to Farm Aid is a curious story that I've explained to Farm Aid, and that is young farmers are treated as heroes in this country today. You know, it's it, there is a tremendous public support because of the need for more farmers, and there's tremendous public support for people going into farming. And uh, rightly or wrongly, you know, nobody's really uh, treated our veterans returning from any war since World War II with any sort of, that same sort of public recognition that they deserve for their sacrifices. And so it's a neat, there's a lot of healing in finding a, something that's, that's similarly challenging to the to what they went through in the military that requires that same sort of degree of difficulty and focus and you know that uh, high level of attention that being in the military at such a young age had and so it's it's a tremendous opportunity to transfer a lot of what they went in for and all the best qualities they went in for and uh, to put into work in a new field I think it's very interesting that you mentioned the connotation of the veteran and how you've matched the vision of the hero, both with farming and the veteran coming back from war. I think that's a really brilliant connection and one that is sorely needed. I was thinking in terms of healing also being that they had witnessed such horrific events and that I think there's something healing in being simply in nature. And then on top of that, producing something that benefits humanity in the form of good healing food. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we we totally understand that. We just probably underscored a little more than most people who observe our project do because, you know, we really focus on the fact that what we're getting out of this is a not just new farmers but a generation of farm leaders i'm inspired every day by the quality of men and women that come our way that served in the service and what they could bring to our industry and so absolutely we all farm because of that daily you know might just be that once a day when you get to walk down a row in the afternoon and and uh, see the little mother bird with her uh, nest under the under the leaves of squash or uh, mm-hmm. or uh, just notice the the life that comes from plants and animals and your effect on them and so you know farmers have uh, not only the feeding of their whole entire uh, planet in our hands but we have the physical uh, farmers and those that uh, fish the seas you know we have the the actual land itself in our hands to take care of so it's a it's an important career and it's a really exciting time to be entering it mm-hmm. there's been research done on the healing power of being in nature especially for people who have had some emotional difficulties and it's not always well known you know we don't it's easier to just prescribe someone a pill for their emotional problems than it is to really spend time and teach them ways to deal with some of the issues in a natural setting. So the reason why I wanted to have you on was because I think the work of the Farmer Veteran Coalition is so enormously powerful, and I hope you are doing some evaluation to document what you've witnessed. Are you- oh, absolutely, absolutely, and we witness it every day. And, and it's not – there's several types of healing going on, too, because there is the 
two most common disabilities from this, these current wars in Afghanistan and Iraq are psychological trauma and some form of PTSD, but also the uh, over 300,000 cases of traumatic brain injury. Mm. It's really a signature injury of the of the IED explosions that so many of our veterans have uh, experienced and experienced uh, repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And so there's not only effects that being out in nature and actively farming and the physicality of it and the production of it helping with the psychological trauma, but it also helps with the cognitive recovery and uh, of um, brain injury. And um, so that's a real important thing because that's actually affecting over 300,000 diagnosed victims of, uh, of this injury. I hope that you have a chance to speak at public health conferences so we have a chance to cross-pollinate. Are, are you doing any of that? We did speak. Um, I, I spoke alongside three veterans who were disabled veterans at um, AgriBility as a... Um, yes. Yeah, is a wonderful organization. It's a national organization funded by uh, both the USDA and private groups like um, the Arthritis Foundation and Goodwill and Easter Seals, and it exists in about um, just a little under 30 states, and they've put me on their national advisory board, and we've put them, we've partnered up with them, and they've existed to help farmers overcome disabilities, usually those that have happened during the lifespan of their career after the injuries and accidents that have happened after they began farming because farming is a uh, dangerous uh, occupation and, right. and uh, but there's a new focus to work with them to help veterans with disabilities enter into agriculture as both of a way to overcome their injuries and succeed and excel in in life you know despite the injuries and so mm-hmm. we did bring three um, combat disabled veterans to speak alongside myself at um, Purdue mm. in November, and it was a, it was a wonderful exchange, and uh, really um, led leading to some exciting opportunities. Oh, that's that's wonderful, Michael. I want to ask you something about organic farming in particular. I think there's a connotation about organic farming. Maybe it's because I speak from more of the heartland, where there's more of an industrial type of farming, where there's a lot of corn and soybeans, for example. And while we do have a growing population of organic farmers, many times within the farming community there is a a rift between organic and conventional farmers. And I wonder, since you're getting veterans from an environment of maybe a man versus nature or man opposed to nature situation, now you're bringing these veterans who've been toughened up into a more gentle form of agriculture. Are they open to organic farming, or is there some reluctance at first? It's almost vice versa, Melinda. We are very adamant that about 1% of our population now is directly involved in production agriculture, and uh, about 1% of our population is uh, involved in military service. You know, there's very Mm. small numbers on both sides. And while a large, a disproportionate number of our military comes from rural communities, and so that does kind of increase the overlap slightly, it's still, it's still a limited number. And we are very clear and, and strongly state that we are very ecumenical about our support for 
agriculture. The most lacking thing in agriculture is the human element and, and enough people going into it that that organic farming and more sustainable farming methods and more local production is even a viable option for our country is going to require a lot more people entering into agriculture. So our focus is to support the veterans' choice of how they want to farm. I see. That being said, we are definitely have a predominance of the veterans that contact us that are interested in organic production, they're interested in some grass-feeding of animals, the diversity of animal production on their farm, local markets, uh, sustainable production, all the types of things that are of high value right now, uh, both in the marketplace, uh, are attractive to them, not just for the market value, but just for the for the lifestyle that comes along with it, for the type of... Uh, life it creates for them and their family and um, their future. And so we definitely have a uh, huge predominance of people going into um, agriculture that would fall under the, the broad stroke of sustainable and organic farming. Well, and I'm sure, too, that further exposure to neurotoxins, whether they be in a military setting or whether they be in an agricultural setting, is not advantageous for anyone, let alone someone who has already been exposed to some toxins in their work. So I almost feel that going with the sustainable and organic methods are further healing in that they're removing them from some of the toxins that they might be exposed to in a more conventional farm. Absolutely, and and as an organic farmer, that's the one thing, and the type of farming I did, which was large-scale and did have uh, large amounts of employees that, you know, the number one benefit to organic agriculture is the farm worker who, when chemicals are handled on the farm, they're handled in, you know, doses a thousand times stronger than a consumer is ever going to see them, and so the largest danger of these chemicals is to is to the farm worker and the farmer themselves. And so, so there, there's a lot of benefits to uh, this type of farming. But like we said, we have veterans in our program who choose otherwise, and we, we're just as much there to support them. And, uh, you know, we, we really feel that our main thing lacking in agriculture isn't what's wrong with our agricultural system, but it's just the need for that human capital and, and that these returning veterans uh, – Two million of them that have left the service since um, um, 9/11 or 2001 are, are, you know, a goldmine of, uh, of opportunity for our, our food growing and future of our country. Mm-hmm. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Michael O'Gorman, who is the executive director of the Farmer Veteran Coalition. Michael, I know that when there was a young farmer survey, the Young Farmer Coalition survey that was done, and there were three major barriers to young people who wanted to get into farming, and they were access to land, access to capital, and access to health care. Now, veterans, because of their veteran status, have access to health care, so we can cross that one off the list of needs. But what about access to land and capital? How are we helping the veterans get connected with available land to farm and also the capital that they need to farm? Well, that's where our project comes in. We have a great staff. Our office is based out of Davis. We have I have a staff of uh, five full-time um, young people helping me. Three of them are 
military veterans. Two of them served in Iraq. Two of them are um, trained in agriculture. And um, we also have worked with a network of farming groups around the country. So we're a larger organization than our staff or our one office here in Davis uh, appears to be. And that's because through different USDA grants and partnerships, we will be doing uh, public events and forums and retreats and conferences with vets in at least 10 states uh, that we have scheduled so far. And I think by the end of the year, it'll be closer to 15. So we're, we're working with many other groups across the country to that have created networks to help beginning farmers find land, find resources. The USDA itself is just a goldmine of, of support for those that are entering into farming. But there's another thing, too, Melinda, and that I, I tell all the veterans, and uh, many of them choose to go and take the entrepreneurial path into agriculture, but there are other options of just as healthy and exciting careers in agriculture where you don't have to own and operate your own business. And in, in many cases, that is, uh, can be a path for a number of years where you can learn and get the more experience and build up your knowledge base and your, sometimes your personal credit and, and switch into farming on your own later on. So we help. We kind of give a holistic approach to the veterans that work with us. That so we help them anything from their need to their access to their veteran benefits, the types of um, loans that are available to veterans, letting them know the types of loans and funding that are available to all beginning farmers, and uh, just a, a network of mentors and support for them. So it's not an easy path, but as they say to us, you know, that's they didn't go into the military because it was easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a challenge that many of them are up to. Well, it seems to me that veterans who want to go into farming and have access to your coalition almost have more opportunities in place than young people who are trying to get into farming without the veteran background because so many of the programs that you have and that are set up through veterans programs help overcome some of those hurdles that young people are facing. So I really think this marriage of veterans and farmers is is simply brilliant. I want to give you an opportunity to share with our listeners some success stories that that you're really fond of sharing. Oh, absolutely. And and I will say one thing though about that point Melinda that there are definitely some resources available to veterans that aren't available to the rest of the public. On the other hand, they all, even those that came out of a war zone unscathed, they they still sacrificed four to eight years of their normal career development in service okay. of their country. And so these are well-deserved assistance for a hand up when they do decide to start in this profession. But we've got great Tremendous uh, success stories. Um, I'm just sitting at this desk in Davis, and it was probably this time last year that the um, veteran manning the phone next to me got a call. And as we do each day, we hear from several phone calls. Um, and one just came through. You probably heard her ring. And from veterans just inquiring into, 
you know, what opportunities are there in farming? I want to farm. I have a farm. I grew up on a farm. Uh, it's my dream to farm. Well, how can I possibly pull it off? And this gentleman was getting medically discharged from the military uh, from what he was hoping was going to be a lifetime career and uh, after numerous deployments. And his wife suggested that, urged him, insisted that he do something entrepreneurial, and he was just kind of Google searching different options. He came across us. He'd never dreamed of being a farmer. By the time I heard him mention over the phone the young man working for me that uh, he was on the phone, that he, the guy was from Connecticut, I, I just butted in. Does he have land? Yes. Does he have water? Yes. I said, give the phone to me. You know, that's just too, you know, to no pun intended, but too fertile of a place to mm-hmm. to pass up. And, you know, I talked to him. I said, you know, he has family. His, he was born on his family's uh farm but they never really farmed it you know his dad was a sawyer and sold lumber from the from his mill and uh, did other jobs and never really figured out you know 30 or 40 years ago making a living off of 20 acres of open field wasn't really an option and and but now you know 20 acres of open field in the middle of one of the most affluent states in the country where with limited farmland and all the public support for local produce is is a different world and we uh, we talked to him and i think we talked every day for the next two weeks while he got excited about this and uh, by the springtime he was planting and um, he pulled it off he became a farmer and his whole family rallied behind him his wife his parents uh, and his extended family all got involved and uh, was farming by the end of the year, and it was a Butler family farm, and it's really uh, beautiful to see. He was selling his produce at the side of the road in hand-milled boxes from from his father's uh, <sighs> sawmill with uh, beautifully painted um, letters saying uh, Butler family farm, an American flag, and a big sign saying veteran grown and raised. You know, and so uh, we we have a. We're excited about our success stories. So you mentioned that you had about 600 veterans that had contacted you, and 300 are basically in the field working as farmers right now. No, no, not they're not all 300 in the field. 300 are either like uh, that includes 300 that are aspiring or pursuing or are farming. Of the, I would say there's somewhat more than 100 are farming. More than a hundred, okay. And, and then the others are either like pursuing work on in agriculture or studying. We have a um, um, right here in Davis. There's two brothers that are that we work very closely with that are uh, uh, both veterans of Iraq, and um, one is studying uh, wine production, the other is studying grape growing. So they're you know they're going to be a you know a wine a grape growing and winemaking team it's a real exciting uh process uh, uh, but so we have we have it's hard to put them all into one camp but sure. there's a lot of different pursuits involved in the, the different aspects of uh of uh, agriculture and food production i'm just thinking of all the new opportunities that you've created for young people who might have come back from the war and really not had much of a future and you've 
opened so many doors to these young men and women, and I personally just want to thank you so much for that. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Well, we appreciate it. And and uh, it is true that it is true that of the my first year in 2008, let's say operating out of the back of my pickup, uh, I worked primarily with uh, a handful of veterans. They're all farming and they are succeeding, and they're an inspiration to other vets. Uh, some of them are hiring other vets. Some of them are training other vets. And uh, Adam Burke in Florida started his blueberry farm where he now takes interns from disabled veterans um, like himself. And so it's it's exciting that, to see a sense of a movement being created and the way they, they're able to support each other. That's, that's real exciting. We have an injured veteran in upstate New York who spent a year and a half in, um, in recovery at Walter Reed, but now has started his farm and, um, one of our, our our veteran outreach um, coordinator was able to have another veteran that we've been working with donate a, um, a young horse for his daughter that's going to actually be trained up to work on the farm, and it was just the just the exact type of horse they were looking for uh, from across the state. So we have veterans that are growing heritage breed animals and donating turkeys and chickens and quail and rabbits to each other once they get to meet each other in the program. It's it's pretty exciting. Now, is there anything that we as listeners can do to help support your program? There's many things. You can go to our website, www.farmvetco.org. It's just short for Farmer Veteran Coalition. You can follow us on Facebook. That's where you get your most up-to-date news, and we, and we love that. Um, there's a way to donate on our website where we we have our fellowship fund which are we've gotten our, our largest donations from um, the Bob Woodruff Foundation from Bon Appetit and now from uh, Newman's own foundation so we, we've been able to last year we gave out over a hundred thousand dollars in small grants mostly to combat injured veterans and this year we hope to expand that several times more and so we accept donations they can be targeted for that and, but also anybody that wants to help with mentoring and also business mentoring. It's, people might not think of it, but when we try to, we say we give a holistic approach, it's often not the farming that the veteran needs to help with. It's how do I turn that into a business plan? Mm-hmm. How do I put a business plan down on paper? How do I approach um, uh, the bank or the USDA and convince them that, that this is um a solid investment. How do I set up my LLC and protect myself and my fi- my family and my home? And, and so yeah. there's a lot of different ways that an individual can donate their services to us, and, and they could be anywhere across the country. Well, these are things that all farmers need, and you're unique in that you've been able to create a community around this need. And because people, I think, ultimately want to do meaningful work, I I can't imagine a more important job than farming. So our time is up, but I want to, again, thank you, Michael, for making a difference in so many people's lives. And I want to restate that website again for our listeners. It's www.farmvetco.org. And learn more about the Farmer Veteran Coalition. Get involved. What important work, Michael. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Melinda, and uh, thank you.
Absolutely. In closing, I want to remind our listeners that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri, and our guest was Michael O'Gorman, who's the executive director of the Farmer Veteran Coalition.